What's up, you guys? It's your host, Anna. Welcome to this week's episode on Undereducated. The story I've got for you today is one of, let's say, an unexpected birth trauma that kind of resulted in a very unexpected first year of life for this brand new mom and her sweet son. It is such a moving story and such an example of strength and looking on the bright side of things. I can't wait to share it with you, so let's get going. Today I am here with Jess. She is one of my friends from work from a couple of years ago, which sounds crazy to say. I'm like, how has it been that long? But we are going to be talking about her pregnancy and birth and kind of this first year of motherhood, which is so exciting. I just saw on your Instagram that Lucas is almost one, which is a huge milestone, which like, go you mom, because the first year (laughs) is like, woo, you made it. (laughs) It can be so rough. And not to make light of it, but like you've had a really hard year for a lot of reasons. So we're going to kind of dive in. Tell me about like finding out you were pregnant because that's kind of where this all starts, right? (laughs) Uh, Well, I was, you know, just a typical Sunday day and I realized like, hey, I'm I'm a week late and oof. I was kind of like definitely, you know, didn't think that. Yeah. So, um, like, are just, you normally regular? So it was like, or were you, was it just kind of like, uh, eh, I'm late, whatever? Well, I mean, I'm regular, but like, I obviously would always have times where I was like maybe two, three days. So, okay. you know, yeah. you always have that kind of like, okay, let's see. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, oh, week, I'm sure nothing. Yeah. But, um, I was like, I'll just go get some Wendy's, go to Smith's, just, you know, casual. If it happens, it happens. <laughs> yeah. So I went and got a test and, um, came back positive immediately and I was like no way (laughs) (laughs) you're like I told myself this was not and it is oh no (laughs) um so yeah I uh took the next two out of the box and they just kept coming out positive and I was like okay here we go (laughs) like this is real this is the real deal yep so um I was living with my boyfriend at the time at his mom's so we obviously told her first and apparently she knew she was like yeah, you, I thought you guys just, like, weren't ready to tell us. But she's like, I knew you were pregnant. And I was like, you didn't want to clue me in. Like, <laughs> You're like, thanks. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> yeah, we um, then went to my parents and then went to his dad's house. And we told everybody. And uh, it was kind of stressful because uh, Austin was finishing up police academy at the time. Oh, I, remember, I yeah. was in school myself working full time. And I was like, here we go. What do we do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, I knew that I was probably going to be a high-risk pregnancy from being a type 1 diabetic. Okay. So I made an appointment with an OB and um, made that very clear that I was a type 1 diabetic. So because it like is a pain to get in with an OB when they find out that, like you're pregnant. They're like, oh, we'll see in like no. five I weeks. I know. And like, wait. So that'll be the end of my like first trimester, but yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah. You're like, are you sure you don't want to see me in the first like eight weeks? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's so real though. And I don't think a lot of people know that, that like the first time I was pregnant, I 
I was so nervous that I didn't call the OB for a minute and I like regretted it because they couldn't see me until like 11 weeks and I was like whoa yeah I know you're supposed to see me like between six and eight like is this an issue Mm -hmm. you know and in most cases when it's like a low-risk pregnancy it's not like that big of a deal but especially in your case where you're like okay I have a history of type 1 diabetes this can be a complication yeah you know that just kind of your blood sugars are going to be wacky Mm -hmm. when being pregnant and you need like an endocrinologist to kind of help you figure that all out and more care like knowing that they couldn't see you I feel like that would be like oh Oh, yeah whoa (laughs) yeah so um which feel like it's really hard because so being only diagnosed at the end of 2019 with my type 1 it was okay, still so like still fresh new. Yeah. Um, so I had no idea how it like correlates with pregnancy at all mm-hmm. um, my endocrinologist decided that he was going to take his paternity leave and take the full 12 weeks when <laughs> I found out so he's like yeah I'll see you for your first appointment and then like we're gonna find you a new endocrinologist and I was like okay so <laughs> like, everything everyone I know we were like fresh start like <laughs> oh my gosh so I saw an OB and um I didn't know any better that you're supposed to have like a maternal fetal medicine doctor and you're type one so okay. I actually was kind of frustrated about this because the OB at the time was like yeah I'm totally comfortable taking care of you like I've taken care of, of diabetics she didn't say type one she just mm. said diabetics in general so I was kind of like okay um, so for any moms that are going to be brand new and they're type ones, you don't get to see a normal OB. You're seeing maternal fetal medicine. Okay. And you like, can good st- to know. <laughs> I don't care how confident they sound. Yeah. That's not happening. Yeah. So that did kind of frustrate me. Cause I think I saw <clears throat> that OB for two, three appointments. And okay. then that's when they're like, well, yeah, you can have a referral to maternal fetal medicine just to make sure that they don't need to be up on any of this. And I went to my first maternal fetal medicine appointment, and she was like, why have you not been with me? Like, you should have been with me from the beginning. And she was like, you need to be on baby aspirin, and you haven't been for your first whole trimester. And so I think at this time, I was like maybe 16, 14 or 16 weeks. And she's like, you should have started that from the beginning, because apparently if you start baby aspirin, which I didn't know, helps your chances with preeclampsia. So there was a lot I was learning, and I was like, here we go. Yeah. So um, I got transferred, and um, I basically saw her, like, every two weeks. Okay. And in between that, I was seeing my endocrinologist every two weeks. Because <clears throat> yeah. um, that placenta of yours just really wrecks <laughs> your blood sugars. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I was on so much insulin. So much insulin. Okay. So, um yeah, I had to just see them both regularly. Um, and then it was kind of just rough. So we had our um, gender, I always want to call it gender reveal. The anatomy <laughs> scan. The anatomy scan. <laughs> also gender reveal. <laughs> well, we did the blood work. So, so I, like, I knew. By, yeah, by 11 weeks, I was like, we're having a boy. Okay. <laughs> we didn't do a party. We didn't do anything. No, I had like, to It's know. a bro. It's fine. <laughs> Um, so we found out that, um, his aortic arch, like, wasn't, um, flowing the way it needed to. Okay. So we then had to do, which I didn't know you could do, which is echoes through the belly. Mm -hmm. So we went to primaries twice for different echoes for Lucas to see. Um, the first time we went, uh, we found out that his left side of his heart was not at the same growth rate as his right side on top of the aortic arch so that's when they said 
We'll give it about, I think it was like four to six weeks, and then you'll come back, see if it's caught up. So it caught up. Okay. Um, so was that, that like a big relief? Yeah, but I at that point, we knew that we he would still have like be seen, and there was a potential he would still have to go to the NICU for that, just to like, mm-hmm. you know, have a little bit of a watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part... I was kind of more relieved because I kind of felt guilty. I mean, yeah. you know, when you're a first mom, you don't really know. And so, of course, I was like, was it because I didn't go to maternal fetal medicine right away? Totally. Like, you know, and then with Austin having his heart history with his um, open heart that he's had, I mean, it was just a whole bunch. So that was <clears throat> really hard at the beginning. But primaries is great. Yeah. I love them. Yeah. They're, all, they're Honestly, so wonderful. such a gift to have a children's <clears throat> hospital. Oh, yeah. They're so close. They're so great. So... That was when, you know, I think the last one echo we got was at like 28 weeks and everything was pretty good. Um, by 30 weeks, though, that's when I had to start getting my NSTs. Okay. I had to start getting them earlier. Yeah. I'm like, <clears throat> why 30 weeks? <laughs> Just because. <laughs> I risk, baby. <laughs> oh, there we go. Um, uh, my. Uh, okay. Is that protocol? I truthfully don't know. Like, do they start NSTs at 30 no, if you're MFM? Actually, it's like 32, but okay. I was like my paternal fetal medicine doctor was like, you know, like your, your blood well. pressures are a little borderline. Okay. Um, so she's like, let's, let's just start them. She's like, what's two weeks early going to yeah, hurt? And I yeah. was like, okay, great. So we did that. So at this point, your blood pressures are starting to get a little wonky. Mm-hmm. Okay. And have they told you like, this could be like incoming preeclampsia or are they just kind of like, eh, we'll keep an eye. Like, um, well, it was kind of hard because like, I don't know. So I was, I'm on propanolol. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so that's supposed to regulate also your blood pressures and your heart rate, which mind you, that obviously didn't since. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I had my heart monitor <laughs> that they put me on. They never found out why my heart was like skipping beats. Yes. Why I was tacky. Cause I remember like Having that you were monitor. brand new pregnant <clears throat> and we were at work one night shift and I remember talking to you for, like, two hours about how your heart was doing, like, the wackiest things. And oh, yeah. they were just kind of like, meh. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, whoa. Yeah, I had to keep this a little is... special cell phone to go with me. And yes. then, like, press this button every time it skips a beat. And I was like, great. Okay, here we go. You're like, I am ready. I'm skipping. I'm pressing <laughs> buttons. And then, like, the cardiologist looked at it and was like, yeah, um, you're obviously, like, run tacky. But they don't see anything concerning about it. And I was yeah. like, Okay. So I don't really know. <laughs> okay. Um, just the anomaly. <laughs> yeah. So I think it was just a lot of that. I was also, you know, full time and yeah. working night shifts. I don't think that was helping. Totally. Of course, my MFM doctor only had appointments on Tuesdays. I worked Monday nights, so mm-hmm. I'd get off, go straight to my appointments. So, so I was doing I'm myself. Sure, you're like, <laughs> you're like <laughs> any favors. Literally 17 <laughs> hours awake, just like. Yeah, you take my blood pressure. Of course I know. I'm tacky. Like, yeah, I don't look good. I'm clearly swollen because I've been on my feet. Um, and yes. so she'd look at my ankles. I'm like, don't, don't. You're like, they're it's not from swollen. Night yeah. <laughs> That's being on my feet. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we started doing that, and um, uh, I really thought I was doing good. I felt good, yeah. but I just kept like watching my feet get more swollen. Mm-hmm. And um, I had both, I had multiple baby showers, and they were all um, when I was around 33 weeks. And I went in for my, just my regular NST appointment at 34. And I was like, my MFM doctor looks at my legs. She goes, I don't like the way those look. 
She's like, I'm not liking your blood pressures. And I was like, by the way, I'm also, like, seeing a little bit of light and, like, little stars in my vision. And she goes, yeah, you're going to the OBER. And I was like, okay. Yeah, you're like, here we go. <clears throat> She's like, there's probably, like, a 60% chance they're going to induce you. And I was like, 34 weeks. What do you mean? Like, yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, you're like, I'm not supposed to be here yeah, for and at I had, least four more weeks. Oh, yeah. So my induction I had scheduled because so type 1 diabetics don't actually go full time. Yeah. So, like, you're lucky if you go to 38. 38. Yeah. And so mine was for 37. And okay. so I was kind of like, well, we're three weeks early and I don't have any of my baby shower stuff put away. Like, what <laughs> yeah, do you mean? Like, like, my I'm house not is ready. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not set up for success right now. So um, <clears throat> I like went home, showered and called my mom. My mom came. Oh, my gosh. Got the everything ready. And then poor Austin at the time had just taken his sleep aid because he worked nights, too. And oh. I was like, guess what? We're, we're going, going to the, the hospital. hospital. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, bro, I literally just been knocking myself out for the next eight yeah. hours. Like, so he was like, um, okay. So that was that was really rough. So yeah, I spent, I want to say two to three hours in the OBER. Okay. They gave me Benadryl okay. to try and see if like it would help um, get my blood pressures under control. Because obviously they didn't want me to have to be induced if I didn't have to be. Yeah. And it just, my blood pressures just kept getting worse. Mm-hmm. Um, so they decided after, I want to say like two, three hours, they were like, yeah, we're going to admit you to labor and delivery. Oh my gosh. Um, I started the process, which is super overwhelming. The induction process is crazy. Everything that you get put on. Yeah. Um, There's a lot that happens. And I think especially like any induction can be a lot when you don't know what to expect, especially when it's when you weren't expecting and like earlier than expected. Like there are so many factors that could make that so stressful. Yeah. And like, was your nurse good at explaining? I'm like crossing my fingers for you because it really like having worked that job, it becomes so second nature to just like, Oh, this is the process, you know, without really informing all that much, you know? And it always like hurts my heart when I hear that moms are like, Oh yeah, I had no idea what was even happening. They were just doing their thing. And I'm like, no like ask the questions you know what I mean yeah but you don't know you no, don't know what to really ask don't. you don't know what to do and you're like you're not focused kind of you're kind of just like so focused much, on the baby yeah. and you're just like what is happening and well I mean clearly he was chilling it was my body that's <laughs> yeah. like you're out you're done so okay this is the craziest part so obviously at like 34 weeks you don't do cervix checks yet uh, to yeah. see how you're dilated totally okay he was coming whether I liked it or not because I was already dilated to a one when they checked me and love it my uh, nurse, my LMD nurse, was like, um, so you're already dilated to a one. <laughs> and you're like, I'm okay. Yeah. So she's like, hopefully this will speed up your induction yeah. because clearly your body's getting ready. Yeah. I'm like, so, honestly, great news. Yeah, I <laughs> when know. You're, I was when like, you're okay, already starting, great. like your induction will probably be much more successful and easier and lots of things. So oh, that's yeah. good. Yeah. So they hooked me on Pitocin and uh, Mag, Mag, which... <laughs> Listen, they tell you you feel like crap, but they do not tell you in depth how crappy you're feeling. Yeah. And they're like, you'll feel like you're on fire. Yeah, sure. You feel like you're on fire. But the one place that I felt so on fire was in my vagina. And I was like, <laughs> fire I, crotch. Yeah. I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. And I literally was like, Austin, I need a fan or something. Like, I am burning. <laughs> and my like nurse is just like, you're just going to feel like that. And I was like, first of all, I already am so uncomfortable because... Yeah. Um, they were getting the process of putting the balloon in. <clears throat> so I was like, no, we're not. We're You're like, not I can't take this. one more thing. Like, <laughs> don't put the catheter in me. I need a fan now. Yeah. 
Oh, that was, yeah. That was probably the most uncomfortable part of the whole thing. Like, obviously, like, yeah, there was cramping from the balloon being in. Mm -hmm. But that heat was something else, so. (laughs) Um, They, so when I got there also, they checked my, um, my CGM. I'm trying to think so people know what I'm talking about. My glucose monitor that reads my blood sugars. Um, they like took my blood sugar with a regular one and then compared it. Obviously it was the same. So they're like, we can just go off your monitor (laughs) and make life easy. Love it. So they put me on an insulin drip. I was stressed out of my mind on being on an insulin drip because I was like, totally stressful for everyone involved. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. And that was how most of my nurses were. And like, I I did feel bad because like coming from the healthcare field, hearing their ratios, they were like, so you're a one, like. I cannot have any other patients because that's how busy you are. And I was like, I'm so sorry. Yeah, you're like, I know what one-to-one means. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. Because, <laughs> yeah, I was on – they had to check my blood sugar every hour. And, um, I mean, they were changing that rate on that insulin, stopping that insulin every hour. I mean, it was every hour they were in there. And then they have to do your every hour mag checks to check your reflexes. Yeah. I mean, it was unreal how often yeah. my poor nurses are in there. Plus, you're on pit, so they're doing – like charting on your baby's monitoring every 10 to 15 minutes like yeah. it's like you were getting oh yeah some and my kid attention. was so active so he's kicking off my poor little monitors oh. on my belly so they'd have to come in and fix that i mean i was seeing everyone i mean more annoying for you <laughs> than anybody else but that's the worst when you're just like just please sit still baby i like, know i'm sure he was like no i'm coming to yeah, see you yeah, I, he's I, like, Mom, I, know. I am on my way <laughs> i've been waiting for this so yeah it, that was um that was a lot. So I want to say I had the balloon in for like six hours and I finally okay. like it was loose enough. And my L&D nurse at the time was like, you want to pull that out yourself? And I was like, no. Yeah, like, Do you see how big my job? belly is? Like at 34 weeks, like you as a type one diabetic, you have huge babies. Yeah. So I was like, no, I can't see over anything. Yeah. Yeah. You're pulling that out. She was like, okay. Which is funny because she at the time was like, I think 36 weeks. So she was oh, amazing. So yeah. you're both just so we're both so belly to belly, like, like <laughs> trying to figure this out. And Nothing I was like, better. <laughs> so they pulled that out. And um, at that point, they checked. And I think I was like uh, dilated to a four. Four. Okay. I was going to say, usually the balloon catheter comes out <clears throat> around like a three or four. Yeah. That's a really good sign that, like, your body is really starting to react to the Pitocin and things yeah. are speeding up. That's what I thought. So here we are, uh, 10 hours in, and I was like, here we go. Yeah. Um, Which also 10 hours in. Did you expect your induction to, like, take a long time? Okay, let's just get to the point of the fact that I was um, in the whole process took 32 hours. Ooh, okay, that's a long And induction. I came after a night shift. Oh, this was like literally no. after a night shift. Because <gasps> Tuesday morning. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Jess. So, so you're literally <laughs> awake for three days straight. I was so exhausted. Literally, I can't even imagine. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. I was like, I'm tired. I have no energy. And every time I'd get comfortable, here they are doing another Something like mag check, check and my insulin. And oh, I was like, guys, <laughs> like, please just let me sleep. Yeah. So um, I was so exhausted. And my nurses oh, kept my. seeing that. And they're like... An epidural is going to help you. An epidural is going to make you want to <laughs> yeah. sleep. And so I actually never really ended up having pain and needing the epidural in that sense. Yeah. What I needed it for apparently was a sleep, but um, <clears throat> that didn't make a difference. Yeah. But um, <laughs> I will say this. Uh, the one thing that kind of frustrated me about myself was 
coming from like a teaching hospital, I knew that this was like really good learning experience for a lot of people because this was not a pregnancy that I feel like a lot of people see because I was watching a lot of my nurses ask like a lot of questions and I was like, well, this is great. Like I want everyone to learn like this is we're all learning together. Let's do it. So, of course, I let a lot of the residents do stuff as well. So the resident for the anesthesia came in to do my epidural with the attending, um, went through a blood vessel. (gasps) So numbed only half of me. So they're like, I'm so sorry, but we're going to have to do that again. And I was like. You're like, great. Two epidurals. Uh So my poor left side was so, so, I forget it. My my left leg was dead. And like you couldn't even move it for days probably. Oh, it was so bad. My poor L&D nurse is like, let me lift that. She was like, I got you. (laughs) So yeah, I, that was really rough. And I remember. I want to say, I want, I can't even remember how far, I want to say we were like 24 hours, maybe 26 hours into this, and we were now going back and forth on the fact, because I had stayed dilated between a four and a half and a five. I never moved after that. Like, that okay. was it. Okay. We tried everything. They, uh, yeah. po- they broke my water on, which was disgusting. Um, watching that, they're <laughs> like, it's like a little fish hook. And I was like watching that i was like oh yeah it's You're really like, like a yeah. fish hook <laughs> please it's, don't poke my baby <laughs> it's true i mean fish hook sounds really really like aggressive but it is it's like a little crochet hook oh yeah that's on like a big long stick that really you just like you put up into your cervix and you pop the amniotic yep. sac yep. and it's like for some women it's all of a sudden like a big gush depending on kind of where the baby is or it can like just be a little trickle like it just oh, kind of depends. Oh my gosh I really Love was it. like certain that I had peed. I was like no there I absolutely peed. Yeah, They're like, like no that is all your water and I was like okay. You're like well I'm glad I'm not peeing on you I guess I don't know. <laughs> because I had already the epidural at this point so I was like I feel wet so. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> But also forgetting I also had a pulley so I should have really thought about that. <laughs> yeah come on you're a CNA you I know. know these things. <laughs> just kidding. Duh. <laughs> Oh, man. So all the things. And like, just to stop for a sec. Good on you for being like, I'm just going to go with the whole teaching hospital aspect. Because you and I have both been in the student role. And in like the trainee role, like, you know what it means to have a patient who's like, of course, please come learn. Like, this is great. Like, you value those people so much. But then like, when you're the patient, oh my gosh. I, I will be so transparent. I am the one that is like, I'm sorry. <laughs> Please do not come in. <laughs> like, Oh, yeah. And it's because it's just, you know, give or take. You have to kind of, like, decide. And it's sometimes the experience is wonderful for everyone involved. But other times, like, with your epidural, students are still learning. And yeah. you have to kind of take on that risk of, like, okay, <laughs> this might result yeah. in me needing more than this one try. Or, you know, yeah. I don't know. It's hard. So good for you for being well, willing to – <clears throat> let people learn because it's a that's a big choice yeah I also kind of thought about it in the sense of like this is my first time I don't know what I'm supposed to expect totally so I was like let's just take it how it is let's all learn together and then what I don't like I will go next time I have a kid all attendings or yes. hey let's teach again you know yes, like it's one totally. of those things where it's like I either liked it or I hate it mm-hmm. but because I have nothing to base it off of we're, let's just go with yes, it yes yes and that honestly that made it kind of sound like every teaching experience is a negative one like Students come in all the time and, like, it's there's no issue. Like, it's a great thing for them to have learned and no one involved has, like, any bad feelings about this. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. it can be very positive. But, like, true. 
you know, if you like it, great. Next time you know, if you didn't, yeah. there you go. Yeah, so. <laughs> Good for you. It was, like, one of those, like, we're just going to fill it all out. So, yeah. Um, yeah, by, like, 20, I want to say, like, 24, 26 hours, that's when we were starting talking about, like, maybe the chance of a C-section. And I was, no, no. I was, like, <laughs> if I can do it vaginally, that's what we're doing. Like, yeah. it's best for me. It's best for my baby and everything. And so. Good for you <clears throat> for holding to that, too. Like, if there was no indication aside from you not dilating yeah to move to a c-section i think that's like such an important thing that moms don't always know is i'm like sometimes labor stalls mm-hmm. and if your baby still is fine there's really no indication for them to like jump to a c-section unless you feel like that's what you want or need yeah. you know well and that was the thing that like i didn't realize like it's okay to say no and it's mm-hmm. like it's your baby it's your delivery i mean you're you're in charge at the end of the day like what totally. you say i mean obviously in an emergency case it's, it starts to kind of change a little but yeah i remember that they're like and i did like that they always made that very clear but at the like it's what you want this is just a suggestion and i just kept Love saying it. if vaginally is our best bet let's keep just pushing for it am i uncomfortable sure but who's like <laughs> not like, like here we are <laughs> i mean here's my boyfriend in the corner dying from like still not sleeping <laughs> yes. like fighting a sleep aid none of us are looking good none yeah. of us feel great so you know what if we're gonna all suffer let's just do it together oh my gosh i love you you're such amazing so <laughs> <It's a human. laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> so it was good though i'm glad we did that because we got that little peanut ball out we started doing some more movement and i want to say obviously i had to we i did feel bad because my mom showed up and i was like mom like nothing's happening like you're okay like go home and so she's like are you sure and i was like yeah just go so and i mean those rooms are just so small like mm-hmm. there's just not enough room there was already way too much stuff in there because of like well, my stuff yeah. yeah and so <laughs> i just felt bad so she went home and i want to say like an hour afterwards i literally thought nobody tells you the way it feels when you're like dilated mm-hmm. and ready to go mm-hmm. and i looked at austin and i'll never forget this moment and i'm like literally like deer in the headlights like i think i'm gonna poop like yep. I pooping. <laughs> yep. it's like well, what do you want me to do? And he's like, Can you, are you allowed to push? And I was like, I don't know. Call the nurse. Like, <laughs> but, but like the true panic of like a first time mom being like, dude, I think this is it. Yeah, like, I was like, I've never felt this kind yeah. of like feeling. This like, pressure. Oh, yeah. My body's mm-hmm. like, no, we're pushing. Like, this yeah. is it. And so I'm literally like trying to, you know, numb, can't move. Like trying to like cross and hold on for dear life. Because I was like, do I push? Like, what, is, what do I do here? Yeah. Like. So my nurse comes in and she's like, let's check in. She's like, oh, yeah, all of a sudden you're at a nine? Yeah, okay, if you want to start it. practicing. And so the resident for the OB team comes in and is like, start doing practice, push us at pushing, like, let's just start doing this. Let's get you going. And I was like, great, okay. So I practiced for, you know, those, like, I want to say an hour. And then all of a sudden they're like, you're ready to go. I got the team in. I pushed for, I want to say, probably a little less than an hour. And he was out. Poor Austin had to push one, you hold one of my legs. Love it. My dead leg was my poor uh, L&D nurse. And I, they <laughs> it's were like, fine. Yeah, I feel bad. <laughs> I'm literally 5'1". And they're like, hey, grab your legs. And I'm like, I have T-Rex arms. Like, how You're do you like, want me to do this? You're like, I can't push my legs. Like, Come on. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I pushed with all I could. and <clears throat> Amazing. He came out. The only thing that was really unfortunate about that whole process that we didn't end up learning about until later with everything that came with him was so we did know that my left side of my cervix was swollen 
but we didn't know what that would mean when pushing Mm -hmm. and they thinking that he was six weeks early they're like he's a preemie he'll be small enough like it's okay so that's one thing that I was kind of upset about that trusting the whole process was they were like yeah you can start pushing at a nine but I didn't realize like that's probably not an okay thing to do. Like, I should have waited until I was 10, but I didn't know any better. I trusted the whole process. Um, so it actually resulted in his head on his left side um, getting hit, and it smashed a little bit. And so he had um, an injury to it, which ended up we finding out that it was his stroke. <clears throat> So that was hard because, you know, mom of me has that guilt that was like, oh. And um, so when he came out, they had the whole NICU team there ready to do the whole, what do you call it, resuscitation? Mm-hmm. I yeah, hate yeah, that. The, I really I hate resuscitation that. Resuscitation <laughs> makes it seem like it's like, oh, they went into cardiac arrest and they're bringing yeah. them back to life. But no, it's just like they're called like the resuscitation team because they're there to like suction or clean or like, you know, evaluate mm-hmm. breathing and neuro you know all the things but doesn't necessarily mean they're he didn't have like the greatest cry he was he had a really pretty weak cry and um i unfortunately didn't get to have that golden hour with him that was really hard i also but it kind of made me feel okay with that because i had the worst worst shakes after having him like i looked like i had parkinson's and i was like <laughs> my head was shaking everything was yeah, shaking and my whole body. my ellen deaner said to lay on top of me because she like Trying was like, like you were shaking it. so hard like so she tried to lay on me they just couldn't get it under control and she's like this happens after like delivering like it's totally normal which nobody told me about yeah definitely wish i knew that because i was like what's happening like, yeah i have it, zero control people go into body. like panic mode because they're like i can't even hold my baby yeah and that's the thing they were like i mean they were like you can still hold him and i'm looking at them like shaking my You're head like, I like, even i'm know. like do you see me you yeah. feel safe with this so yeah. i was like just let me look at him it's yeah. okay yeah so the NICU team t- took him um then they uh, had to bear hug me into a wheelchair oh my goodness i love it <laughs> i was so still so numb um they then took me to mom and baby and they continued the mag checks which i did not know that still continue mm-hmm. so mag <laughs> checks if you're on mag they continue for i think it might be the first 24 yep it yeah sure i was, was gonna say it's at least the first 12 maybe 24 and i know the space kind of gets like it kind of spaces out though isn't it like every hour every two every four every eight or does it go every hour for the whole 24 i want to say i think at one point i think it was every four okay because i remember it started going with my rounds okay but still you're like wow we're (laughs) still worried about this yeah (laughs) like okay one more thing and that was kind of the other thing that i hated because they were like the benefit of mag is to like protect your brain protect your baby's brain and i was kind of like i mean obviously this all leads to like the NICU stuff but you know finding out that like his brain wasn't really protected because he had the stroke and the brain bleed i was just like you lied to me like i know that it's like it's still always a chance but i was just kind of like i did not endure all that crap to protect my brain and his brain for it to not you know actually do what it was supposed to do yeah (laughs) totally so yeah it was like 12 hours after i had him that i finally was like one had the strength to like even be wheeled to go over there because mag really just wears you out being you know up for 32 hours i was exhausted i just it's not that i didn't want to see my baby it was just the fact that i felt sick well and you just had a baby i'm like (laughs) i'm sorry that's the hardest part about that like oh whatever it was that bag (laughs) yeah you're like no 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 (laughs) 
That was easy. That was easy stuff. I really was, yeah, because I, you know, I just thought it was totally going to be horrified with the pain. And honestly, like, I would think I was more concerned about, like, pooping Mm -hmm. while pushing. I was just like. As everyone is. And I'm like, nobody cares. And I'm literally (laughs) looking at Austin. I'm like, am I pooping? And he's, like, not looking at me. And I'm like. He's like, I'm not going to tell you. I mean, he did eventually tell me. He's like, you didn't actually. So it was cool. I was like, yes. So. (laughs) No. I. Oh, my gosh. Literally, Jess, in my last birth. I I was unmedicated and I like could feel myself pooping <laughs> and my husband I was like Jake I'm pooping I know I'm pooping he was like bro you're pooping I know and I was like you don't actually tell me I'm pooping like come on <laughs> you lie to me you look me in the face and lie yeah oh. no but like from the nurse side no one cares if you poop moms don't be worried about it no anyway. nobody really cares but yeah so I um yeah it took twelve hours they wheeled me to the NICU and. That was probably the most horrifying, everything, the sound, the smell, and coming and working six years in the medical field, I was like, none of this should faze me. Mm -hmm. It is so different, and it is like a whole nother world in there, and um, my poor child literally was, he had an IV in his head, Mm -hmm. he had a tube feed, he was on oxygen, Um, and then the worst, like, moment of my life happened, I held him, and my first, like, memory is him desatting and he desatted into the 70s he went like blue and okay first of all those NICU nurses I mean I know they know how to really get them to go breathing again but like she's smacking his back and she's I'm like, like come on Lucas I know she's like come on baby and I'm like my, my child yeah, you're like is he gonna be okay <laughs> so that was that was hard yeah. um yeah I mean we're joking but like I mean, so hard. It is hard. And you, I feel like if you can't like start to eventually laugh it out, I mean, it is just going to just tear you up. Yeah. Like fester inside of you for sure. So yeah, we, um, it was hard. So the first like week he, um, kept desatting. He kept having fevers, but like they couldn't figure out why he was having fevers, but he was running really, really hot. And so they thought it was meningitis. So the poor kid had a spinal tap done. Um, they still treated it, but he got blood in the spinal tap, which actually kind of ruins the results of what it is. So they just kind of were like, let's just play it on the safe side. But he was still having fevers, so they decided, well, we'll kind of do a head ultrasound to see. And <clears throat> if it was not for that head ultrasound, we would have never found out that he had the brain bleed. So that's when they decided we're going to get neuro involved. They had to do his... Um, he was a week old and they were like, we're going to do a sedated MRI just to get a clearer, better picture. And, um, so the flight team comes in from primaries, right? Brings in this like whole little gurney. I mean, I was just like a flight team. Like it was just so unreal. I was like, this is, yeah. So, and they're like, you'll walk with them over there. Um, so yeah, they got, they did the MRI, took about an hour and they also had to do place a pick in his arm and so they decided because he was sedated they'll just do the pick at the same time because he was just on so many different things because so my diabetes actually um because i was having really bad lows my last trimester like absolute bad lows so i didn't realize how much his were depending on mine to the point where his were low so um he was getting blood sugars checked all the time i mean they were in the 30s i mean they were so so bad So he was on a drip himself to help get his up. So he was on that. He was on antibiotics. He was on fluids. I mean, the kid had everything. 
I mean, he to hold him was ridiculous. Yeah, like, I'm sure I, you're like, I don't even know how to pick you up. I did feel like a princess. I would like sit there plopped, and my NICU nurses would be like, "Okay, here's, here's your baby. baby." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so <clears throat> that was hard, and it was also really hard because it made him really, really exhausted. I mean, mm. he was so tired. So um, and like, let's not forget the fact that he's already like premature. You yeah. know what I mean? Like his mm-hmm. little body is still working to even like grow Mm -hmm. and develop like the rest of his brain and his eyesight and his hearing and like all of these senses that develop those last four weeks of pregnancy like his little body's in like hyperdrive now because he's born and he's like oh i need these things you know yeah so i'm sure he was just like yeah exhausted he was exhausted he had a lot going on for him i mean he was busy they we did um they did an echo during the week also just to see his heart they found Mm -hmm. out he had little holes so he has uh pda and pfo don't ask me how what those stand for. I know. I'm like, I would have to look them up, honestly. They're heart that related. Remember. That's yeah, all that yeah, matters. I'm like, I'm like <laughs> it's fine. I, I'm i like, something of Fallot, maybe? No, I don't know. I'll look it up and I'll tell us all. Yeah. E- either <laughs> way, point. it's something you can live with and it's okay. Yeah. So yeah. Um, Nothing that required immediate yeah. surgery or attention, something. which is was probably great news. Yeah, that was great. So, yeah, after the MRI, the neurologist came in and said that he had had a stroke. And um, uh, that was well, that was really hard. Yeah. Um, it was the size of a dime. And a size of a dime for us sounds like nothing. But for and a, a baby. baby, that was a good chunk. And I just remember, like, so what is his quality of life? Like, and that was really hard. And it wasn't because as a mom I wasn't like, oh, I'm not going to love him for if it's hard like if his life's hard I just want to know like what my son's now going to endure and everything and so it was hard because like there's the two different kinds of strokes and so his was a hemorrhagic and that's when we found out that that's due to trauma and like an accident and that's when when we looked more in depth into it that's when we realized it was due to my delivery and everything and that that was really hard that was super super hard and now going forward I'm not saying that like I mean maybe I would still have a little bit of like teaching involved in my next pregnancy but I definitely think regardless I will wait for sure till I'm 10 dilated to a 10 before I start pushing I don't care and if somebody tells me I need to practice I'll be like I had a kid I know like I'm not practicing this again and um you know just kind of be a little bit more stern about things and make sure and everything because that that like that hurts like as a mom you just feel so devastated even though obviously like there was it was out of my control there's literally nothing I could have done like I'm like obviously you don't (coughs) need to say anything but I'm like (laughs) you know what I mean like it wasn't your fault in any way and like you could never have known that that was the way he would respond or that that would happen you know what I mean um I would say one tip that I would give moms if someone does like come into the room and say hey you're almost 10 let's practice I would say ask to labor down laboring down is just literally letting the baby move its own way down yeah. until you're absolutely 10 centimeters and sometimes even close to crowning like it's you just take that time to let your body push the baby out through like the natural expulsive reflex is yeah. what it's called like let it push itself out on its own and it can you know eliminate problems that mm-hmm. you don't foresee happening obviously but you know just like giving baby like the gentlest entry into the world that you can yeah. can go a long way you know so did they think though i have a question do they think that lucas's stroke happened 
like in labor, like as you were delivering or was it after due to the brain bleed? So that's the part that like we can never fully get an answer from because the um, neurologist said it was either, um, I want to say it was either either right while he was in like before anything so it was either 12 hours before Mm -hmm. during or 12 hours after i had had him okay and she's like there's not really a way to pinpoint it so she's like he could have had it while in the process of moving down to the birth canal Mm -hmm. could have had it when he was getting pushed out totally or right afterwards from everything so it was she was like it's just really hard to know but she was saying like i mean obviously she can't like you're like that's just the reason but yeah. she was like most likely it was due because of because i mean his his stroke was on his left side mm-hmm. so and for, yeah that like lip of your cervix to have been there yeah. and his head just hitting against it like theoretically it that makes sense you know? <laughs> you're like hmm. yeah and i will be honest i have never practiced pushed with a mom at a nine so i'm really sorry that happened to you yeah like I, i'm just gonna be honest no there's a lot that i was my like, heart i'm like what were they doing <laughs> a little bit no and, and that's kind of how i felt but then i was just like you know i mean you just that's always just kind of the chance yeah. that you're taking yeah. and i know that and now yeah. i just i definitely feel like i'm a big advocator to like moms that it's like if you don't feel right about it which i did i definitely did yeah. it but i was like this is me just having anxiety because i'm like a new mom and i'm about to have a kid what do i know no like it's okay to just be like you know i don't i don't feel right about this like this makes me really concerned let's talk about this explain to me why you're wanting me to do this like there's nothing wrong with doing that and i wish i would have just continued doing that and just Mm -hmm. been like no let's let's talk about it yeah so i definitely think there's nothing wrong with doing that as a mom there's nothing wrong with advocating for yourself and advocating for your baby absolutely you're not the bad guy and nobody's gonna hate you for it no i'm like and nobody really will think twice about it like They'll just be like, oh, okay, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Like, we'll oh, move she to wants the next to thing. know? Okay, let's, yeah. let's talk like, about it. It's like, oh, I should inform her? Okay, <laughs> I should do my job. Like, <laughs> yeah. Really, that's what it turns yep. into. <laughs> yep, so, yeah, then we just survived the NICU for... So how long was he there? Um, six weeks? Yeah, six okay. weeks. Okay, six weeks. Okay. The longest time of my life. Yeah. Um, but definitely. so almost did he come out near his due date though? Oh, he came home on his due date. Oh, good boy. <laughs> we love him. <laughs> that was, oh, that, w- I will never forget that. So like two days before he comes home, they're like, he, okay, so first of all, there was a lot that was in play. So because of his brain bleed, it was starting to heal and scar over right where like our spinal fluid enters in and out. And so he was getting hydrocephalus. So, um, for anybody who doesn't know what that is, that's... Yeah, I'm like, inform the people. Yep. Um, hydrocephalus <laughs> is when the uh, spinal fluid in your brain has nowhere to go, so it starts to um, expand your head, and, and, like, fortunately, he had the better case of it, so he didn't have, like, a lot of those, like, the sundowning where your eyes point down and all you can see is the white of your eyes. I mean, his head definitely looked like little baby Megamind. I mean, it, it definitely was... Big, but yeah. it wasn't like ridiculously big it wasn't really hard like a lot of these babies are mm-hmm. um so it was just one of those things where we had the neurosurgeon come in and try and decide because obviously they want to do surgery but they don't want to do surgery and the only good thing about him that he had really going for him was the fact that he as a preemie weighed six pounds 6.5 ounces so he had weight on his side so yeah. it was 
keeping him healthy enough and like sustaining him enough that they were like if he needs surgery we're not waiting because he's so so tiny, tiny. And so they're like, it's not that. It's the fact that, like, we want to give him the benefit of the doubt. Let's see if his body can heal on its own. Let's just, you know. Yeah. And so um, we just kept playing that waiting game. We kept trying to do everything. And they just decided, like, it was something that we could kind of wait on. And that was one as a mom was really hard to – because, I mean, it's one of those things, like – Again, I'm a new mom, so, like, nobody tells you, like, as a newborn, specifically a preemie, they have no control of their eye movement very well. Mm -hmm. So he would have, like, these weird movements in his eyes, and I'm like, oh, it's his hydrocephalus. Like, here it is. Like, we're going to, you know. And so that was really, really hard. And, um, oh, I just hated the whole process of that. Unfortunately, we didn't really get to do breastfeeding because of that. He was so exhausted i mean he just had zero wanting to latch yeah and he didn't even really want a bottle feed if we could have him have 10 mils of a bottle yeah it was like it was a great great time and i was like cool good for you we'll put the rest in your two feet and we'll call it good so because of that two days before we found out or yeah two days before he went home they called us and the resident um was like hey how do you feel about uh taking care of your baby with a two feed and i was like i mean i like I know how to do them yeah I was like I mean I watched them and like I understand it and they're like great well you'll come in you'll practice taking one out and putting it in twice and then so will your boyfriend and if you guys can pass that off he's going home with you and he's going home on two feeds and I was like you're like wait what Yeah. And they were like, there's really no purpose of him being here. Like, everything that we're doing, like, you could do at home. You're just taking care of him. I mean, you're just giving him his stuff. And we're kind of just playing the waiting game to see whether he has surgery and why can he not do that at home. And I was like, okay. So, that. yeah, we uh, we practiced the tube feeds. That was – I hated that. Yeah, I like, absolutely which? hated to pull one. Pulling it out was just awful. And no, Like, I don't know. It's weird. Like – I work with two feeds. I see this stuff all the time, but it was so different on a baby. On your own baby, too. Yeah, and I felt so mean, and I just, oh, I just, literally, my my NICU nurses were my saving grace. Like, if they were not there cheering me on constantly and, like, reminding me, like, it's okay, like, you know, I I really don't think I would have been able to do that. Like, I, I, I panicked, and I, like, I would start doing it and I'd stop and my NICU nurse is like you're gonna keep going keep going yeah and I oh I but we would get it and you know it was great and then we came home and he pulled it out all the time so guess he was getting used to it (laughs) I was like after a while I was kind of like you know okay here we go like I just knew and yeah but it was it was hard having him come home because all he knew was the NICU so coming home I think was the one way too quiet for him that kid was like not yeah, like, like where are all the alarms like where are all the things yeah. like what's happening yeah so that yeah. was hard for him and that was hard for me because I was just like oh I didn't sleep I didn't sleep oh, I sure. remember I ha- wanted to wait and give my mom a decent amount of time before I called her crying like you need to come yeah. over <laughs> you know like yeah, obviously yeah. Like, like I, I was like this. I can't do this yeah. and I was like oh, I cannot do this because the um home health team kind of dropped off his stuff and then didn't teach us anything so I'm trying to figure out how to do these two feeds we're googling things don't oh google it because yeah. they were like if you give them a little bit of the water because you obviously have to clean the tubing you have right to prime the tubing yeah. so they were like if you give your baby water you can like you know throw out their electrolytes do oh. all these things and I was like great I'm gonna kill my baby yeah, I'm like, like I have no idea what I'm doing <laughs> Oh, so, yeah, I remember, I think it was, like, 6.30, and I was like, I'm calling it. And I was like, Mom, 
you're coming over. Yeah. Like, you're like, I need you now. I need and you like, help good me. Good for you yeah. for just being like, look, I needed help, and that's fine. Yeah. Like, you are not a bad mom because you needed an extra <laughs> set of hands. Also, I was like, I know that you just don't get sleep, but I like, it's hard because like, also as a diabetic, like, I mean, I also had to focus on myself too. And totally. I mean, that felt so selfish of me, but I kind of was like, my health also has to come first too because yes. if I'm not healthy, who's taking care of it? Absolutely. So, um. My aunts were wonderful, and my mom was wonderful, and the first few weeks that he was home, they all took turns, watched him at night so I could sleep and recover, and then That's I took amazing. care of him during the day, because um, yeah. one, my anxiety was just too much, and yeah. two, it was just stressing out my body. My blood sugars were like, we don't like this. Yeah. You're no, not handling sure. this well. Yeah. So, it, yeah, it was one of those things where I was like, okay, you know, like, this is, I'm doing this for him, because if I can't take care of myself, I can't take care of him. So, that was what I had to keep reminding myself when I felt like a bad mom because I wasn't with him at night because, you know, yeah. that's what you're supposed to do, right? Because mom guilt yourself <laughs> about everything and anything, and it's like, in reality, he was being taken care of. And yeah. Like, that's all they need It's yeah. just someone taking care of them. Yeah. And for you to say, like, hey, I'm actually not going to be okay if I push myself past this, like, mm-hmm. that was so good of you to be able to do that. Like, honestly, I think a lot of moms fall into that, and then they end up in a really dark place because yeah. they let their body get to the point where, like, then it's going to take them four times as long to recover. Yeah. And you were like, no, look, like, I need to stop here, and I need to start taking care of myself so that I can take care of him. Yeah. You know? Well, it also helped that I had the best, like, maternal-fetal medicine OB that, like, after I had him, I saw her two weeks after I delivered. So you see him a lot more frequently. You mm-hmm. don't wait the six weeks. Mm-hmm. And um, she's like, so you endured a lot. So she's like, I don't want you to be opposed to the idea of being on anxiety meds. Like, I definitely think. She's like, I think you should be on them. And I was like, okay. Okay. All right. So, and I remember getting to my, like, I went and saw her by four weeks. So I saw her two weeks later. And then I saw her by my sixth week. And we decided, you know, we're going to do an IUD. Just do, you know, just get it all done. Mm -hmm. And. I was telling her, I was like, I have nightmares at night where I think I'm going to lose Lucas. Like, and I'm, it, it was night terror. So like Austin couldn't even wake me up and he's like, he's okay. He's in the next room. And I'm screaming, crying, like, like, where's Lucas? Like, where's Lucas? And so I didn't know that PTSD was totally a thing that comes with having a baby. And so that was when I really was like, okay, we're going on anxiety meds and whatever the dose is that I have to take to get to a healthy state, like that's what we're doing. And I remember that. That was kind of not a conversation I wanted to have while I'm getting an IUD placed. And she's looking at me and she's like, Jess, people have PTSD. And yeah. it's totally normal my PTSD after having a baby. And it's really normal for somebody who endured a pr- like what a delivery through. like you, yeah. then had a NICU baby, and then came home on two feeds and, the, and has hydrocephalus. And you're waiting to do surgery, you know? Like, yeah. this is something that happens. Like, it's it's okay. Yeah. Um, so that was one thing I definitely didn't know that I feel like it's okay for other moms to acknowledge that like PTSD happens and yes. there's a way to treat it and it, you, it does get better. Totally gets better. Yeah. So yeah, then by three and a half months, um, that's when they decided we were going to do his surgery for okay. his, uh, shunt placement. I mean, that... That neurosurgeon is probably the greatest man on earth. Again, I love primaries. They're such (laughs) great people. But he was like, I don't, because, you know, like, surgeons want to cut, right? They just are like, let's do do it. And this man literally kept looking at us and was like, this is a permanent thing. I do not want to have to do something permanent to your son unless we absolutely have to. Yeah. 
and he was so sweet. I remember him calling, like, I want to say, because I think his surgery was on a Monday, yeah, and um, he called Friday, and he could hear him just absolutely crying, and he's like, no, you're right, like, we are making the right call, like, I'm glad we're doing the surgery, like, this is what we need to do, and I just remember just thinking, like, what, what, what attending calls, and is like, oh, yeah, what is seriously, like, like, checks in, and is like, we're making the right decision. Yeah, like, I just, you know, that was just so great, and so, um, it was hard putting him MPO, the poor kid, um, was MPO for 13 hours. How do you explain to a three and a half month old, like, this, you're not like, eating sorry, because, bro. Like, <laughs> yeah, NPO means nothing by mouth, for those who don't know. Like, he could not eat for 13 hours as a tiny little human. Oh, yeah, that was hard. Yeah. It was really, really hard. So then they, the believe it or not, though, the surgery itself was only an hour and a half. Really? I was like, brain yeah. surgery? Yeah. An hour and a half? Honestly, okay. I'm like, that's really surprising to me. So, yeah, I remember that because we were at the U. And You're like, I, my birth took longer than this, bro. I know. I was like, oh, my gosh. So, um, but, yeah, so the shunt uh, just goes into his ventricle, and then he has it, the tubing goes down into his neck, and it looks kind of like a fake vein, okay. and then it goes all the way down into his stomach, and it coils. So, it coils pretty, it looks like a garden hose, and um, it'll grow with him. So, that's cool. really cool. Um the only thing that was really hard about the whole process was the neurosurgeon did say because the baby's body's trying to heal over this and the body's just going to recognize this as something foreign and wants to scar over it. They, he said by the age of two, it has a 50% chance of failing. And I was like, 50% is a huge number. Yeah. Um, but so far, here we are at one and, and we're doing, doing great. great. Yeah. His head's back to a normal size. Yeah. Um, he... I mean, he did great. The, literally, the next day after his surgery, we went home. And Amazing. I was like, brain surgery, and we're going home the next day. He wasn't even there. What a fighter. Oh, like, yeah. Honestly, I'm like, go Lucas. I, it was Little great. man. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was hard seeing him, like, high out of his mind on anesthesia. Oh. I was like. Oh, yeah. He Where couldn't even like... figure out a cry. The poor kid was like, eh. <laughs> Like, that's how he was crying. And I was like, oh, but <laughs> Like, are we okay? <laughs> <laughs> so we went home, though, and it was like. It was like a nine day. I mean, like, I can't even imagine having that fluid pressure and having oh a gosh. constant headache. Nobody can tell you, like, you can't tell anybody, like, hey, my head hurts. And so yeah. watching him turn into, like, a whole nother baby, which, mind you, my kid has never really been a fussy baby. Yeah. So for him to even be happier was just unbelievable. Yeah. He ate so much better. I mean, it was just, it so was So how great. long did he stay on his feeding tube? Well... I want to say probably by the end of March. So he came home March 4th, and I want to say probably around, like, March 25th. It had just accidentally came out on the day of – so he had to have weekly weigh-in checks because yeah, – to see. Like, obviously, we tried to feed him what we could, and then what he couldn't, we did um, through the tube feeds. Mm-hmm. Um, so go, everybody in my family that learned how to work with the tube feeds. We were love all it. nurses. I love Here it. Here we go. <laughs> Go you. So um, we did weekly weigh-in checks, and we went to one, and he had just pulled it out. And I remember the pediatrician was like, well, I mean, he eats pretty good, so let's just see what he does. You know, yeah. like, make it or break it. Worst, co- worst comes to worst, you know how to put you one put in, it back and in. you put one in. Yeah. So um, I, I don't know if that's what it took. And he was like, which I can't imagine eating with a tube down my throat. throat. It was mm-hmm. got to be so frustrating. I'm so sure. all of a sudden he was eating. And, yeah. like, I mean, he wasn't still a great eater, which, I mean, he was still really exhausted. Yeah. But he ate better, and after that, we just 
didn't need one. The only thing that did suck about everything that came with the feeding was we had to go to um, a swallow study and we found out because of his brain development and everything, he had a delay in his trigger, which okay. um, is where your whatever the part of your, you have a little door by your vocal cords your that opens. Yeah, that, that opens, opens and shuts. Mm-hmm. And his was delayed, so he was um, silently aspirating just drops, and okay. like thankfully. So it wasn't like too bad, so we ended up having to thicken up his formula. Like just a little. Mm. So the porn can was drinking basically like a consistency of a milkshake. <laughs> You're like, as if this wasn't already hard. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. Let's give you a milkshake, bro. Yeah. So he had that. So then after that, they were like, he's going to go to speech therapy, mm-hmm. feeding therapy. He did physical therapy. So, I mean, this kid, I literally, it was go, go, go. There was like yeah. an appointment like every week, sometimes twice a week. Um but he worked really hard for everything he did. The physical therapy paid off, feeding therapy paid off, and um, I wanna say from April until August, he was on thick and formula, and because he worked so hard to strengthen his neck, he worked so hard to do all these things. That, that kid hated physical therapy. He oh. was like, you want me to work? No, <laughs> I, like, I'm not doing this. mom. Yeah, like, like we're, we're not doing this, so. <laughs> His physical therapist was phenomenal. Like, his feeding therapist was phenomenal. They were all so good and patient with him. And we got him to the point where they were like, he doesn't he doesn't need this. Like, he does not need thickened formula. Like, That's amazing. Here we go. Like, let him just do, do it. his thing. Yeah. yeah. And so here we are. And he loves – he does not still really like his formula. That's still kind of a constant fight, which I don't blame him. I'm sure there's an association somehow in his brain oh, of probably, everything. Oh, probably, where it's just like a traumatic thing for yeah. a little bit. But yeah. does he love, like, adult food? Absolutely. I love it. That kid could eat all day long, anything – like oh he loves it so that's that's what great. a gift yeah seriously <laughs> so he does love food so and then of course today we had his like one year checkup and they were like you know if you because obviously they still treat him six weeks early so she's like technically yeah. he's like 10 months but if you want him like to be like one year old and you want to start him on milk start him on milk yeah. and make sure you're still feeding him what you're feeding him, and that's the thing I loved is she's like, you feed him what you're eating, like, so that you're not creating habits of pickiness, because yeah. it's like, if you feed him, like, what you, you know, typical. What you think food. a baby would want to eat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I do love that, and I, he really is not a picky eater, like, I think it's crazy. He definitely is weird to textures, which I don't blame him. Yeah. I am the... I'm a little disappointed he doesn't like hard-boiled eggs because his mom loves hard-boiled <laughs> eggs. I'll never forget. Can give grow on him. I know. He, he like, put it in his mouth, and it, like, slid right out, and he, he looked like, at me like, no, why would mom. you do that? Like, like that rubber. <laughs> that, that's disgusting. <laughs> so that's fair. But, yeah, he's doing so good. He, I mean, it was, the other thing that was really cool was in September we had our last neurology appointment, and that's when he got cleared from his neurologist and said that there's nothing neurologically wrong with him. He is compared to a healthy baby his age. Like, you would never know that he had a stroke, that he had a brain bleed, that he had hydrocephalus, that he has a shunt. I mean, everything that was working against him, like, he worked harder, like, to just be better than whatever diagnosis he had, which is great. And I was so proud of him, which I'm sure he was kind of like, Mom, what are you doing? Because I, like, (laughs) you know, just hugging him, like, I'm so proud of you. Like, I just love you so much. Like, you've endured everything. And here you are. And so, I mean, we'll go see her again 
when he's two, just to make sure. Yeah. Um, we see the neuro uh, neurosurgeon at 18 months just to make sure that the shunt's, shunt's doing not, what it's supposed yeah. to do. But, I mean, other than that, I mean, we don't have any specialties. Like, we are just your everyday mom and baby appointments, <laughs> and I love it. I love just going to a pediatrician appointment and just being like, okay, that's it. Like, like we're see you in three months. Yeah. yeah. Like, I love it, and it's so great. And I, you know, like, I do feel... Sometimes I feel a little cheated that we didn't get to really enjoy, like, the baby stage together because I feel like it was just stress after stress, appointment after appointment. And totally. Everything, but, you know, just, like, I feel like from August till now, it has been, like, what I would explain as, like, a normal, like, baby and newborn, mo- like, new mom experiences, like, watching him have those development skills that he gets like the like he now knows how to like give kisses and I love that like he does that I love that he wants to cuddle still like he I just love that like I can just finally enjoy everything and it's like not one of those where I have to do this because I don't know if he's gonna make it you know like it's just one of those things and so it's kind of just so relieving so yeah it's the most stressful year of my life (laughs) absolutely has it been still the best and most rewarding year of my life yeah because I've now learned like my limits I've learned boundaries for myself I have learned that I can do things that I didn't think I could and I now get to watch new moms that have been pregnant that are going through scary things that I get to be like you know what it sucks absolutely does it suck I'm gonna validate everything you're saying but also it does get better and I love that and I love watching my son who's endured everything under the sun and is like the happiest baby ever and you know he could probably use the stroke card for a little bit when he's like, <laughs> oh, yeah. when he's you like, mom, but, you know, like, but then after a while I'll be like, dude, we're done. Like, we're over it. We're past it. We're way past that. You, you, you are passed out. You didn't need that issue anymore once you were like seven months old. So yeah. I don't want to hear it. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> you're bro, normal no, now. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much. Well, Jess, like, seriously, I think you've just pretty much said everything I hope that every mom ever could hear. <laughs> like, <laughs> But genuinely, you just have so much wisdom and, like, such a perspective on what seriously was an insane year and something that the majority of people will never go through or ever even come close to touching emotionally, physically, mentally, like you went through hell and back. Yeah. And to see you be on this side of it and just be, like, so positive and, like, life is good. Like, it's infectious to me because, you know... I think too often we get wrapped up in, like, my life sucks. And seeing someone who's been through something way harder than I've ever been through have this outlook that's just amazing, I just I just look up to you a lot for it. Like, genuinely. Yeah, I'm like, wow, you. Jess, I want to be like you. Holy cow, girl. Really? I guess. <laughs> like, you're, like, the best mom I've ever met. Like, Instagram oh mom. Oh. She's got the most beautiful oh. kids ever. Oh, my gosh. No, I want to throw up. Don't even say that. We're over here, like, picking up poopy diapers off the floor and, like, Cheerios before you come in. Because I'm like, wait, let's oh, clean sorry. the one you're room You're having, in our like, house. a normal day? Wow. How could you? <laughs> I know. I know. What is motherhood? Oh, my hell. <laughs> I guess if there's one anything left you have to say, what would it be before we wrap up? The... Um... Honestly, that, you know, it's okay to have bad days as a mom. It is totally okay, and it's okay. You know, the other thing I feel like I have to say is that I feel like a lot of people glorify pregnancy, and I think it's absolutely okay to not enjoy being pregnant. I love my son, and I loved the bonding we had of it just being me and him. 
but I absolutely hated being pregnant. I thought it was the most miserable time of my life. Mm -hmm. And I really feel so bad when I talk to these moms that are currently pregnant that they're like, I just don't like it. And it's like, you know what? It's okay. And that's absolutely okay. Mm -hmm. And you know what? It gets better because then you have this baby and you're, you know, it's one of those things that you just have to unfortunately get through. Does it feel long? I feel like I can't complain because, you know, I barely hit. I was like <laughs> one week into eight months. So I do know. I get to really complain? I'm Not really. I was literally pregnant for eight more weeks than you. I know. R.I.P. <laughs> so I was like, um, I mean, I can't say the nine months part. No, but you it, absolutely can. You made it until he was ready to be here. Yeah, he that... was coming whether I liked it or not. Yeah. And I'm glad he did. I'm glad he's here. And I'm glad that, you know, even on my bad days, I get to be his mom. And it's okay to have those bad days. And, you know, it doesn't make you a bad mom. And it doesn't make – it doesn't affect your kid like everyone thinks it does. Like, honestly, they're like little goldfish. They don't remember when you're having, like, those moments. It is so quick. Oh. And, like, I kind of almost like it when I have my frustration days now because – He's to the point where he like pouts when I'm when I'm <laughs> when like, you're grumpy. Yeah, I'm yeah. like no, like you're not doing that. And he kind of yeah. gives me that look like y- you're really gonna like just tell you're me no. Me? And yeah. I'm just like you know what, have my attitude. Let's <laughs> yep. let's figure it out, okay? <laughs> and you know yeah, that, you and me, bro. Here, let's go. <laughs> it definitely gets better, and that's all I can say is that like yeah. I mean, a lot of the time I feel like those first few months just seem so dark, but it gets so much better. And there's nothing wrong with getting help. There's nothing wrong with being on medication. It doesn't make you a worse mom because you have to be medicated. I am okay with being medicated because, you know, it makes me get up every day and it makes me do the best I can as mom. And every day that I am getting up makes me a good mom. And that's okay if that's all you can do is just get up and live with your kid. And with that beautiful advice, you guys, let's wrap it up. Jess is an absolute rock star. I hope you loved her story as much as I did. And I hope that you gained a new perspective and a new strength in taking on motherhood, no matter what your journey looks like. If you aren't already, follow along on Instagram and TikTok at undereducated.pod. And of course, catch us here next week for another episode. Mm